Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, We were having a conversation about those who are and those who aren't on social media a little while ago. If you are on social media, uh, you might have remembered a few months ago um, in the throes of the presidential race um, of posts that went somewhat viral only because of the response. The initial correspondence um, was not posted, but because of the response, the initial letter was posted. It had been sent by an American citizen in frustration to the Queen of England. And it read thus, On behalf of the American people, I urgently implore you to take us back. (laughs) Clearly, the options we have to lead us aren't up to par. Again, please, I beg of you, make the United States of America a colony of the United Kingdom. Never expecting a response, evidently a monarchist amongst us, but never expecting a response, he did actually receive a note from the Queen's Deputy Correspondence Coordinator on the Queen's letterhead that stated, I've been asked to write in response to your recent letter to the Queen, in which you express your views about the American government. While your views have been noted... You will appreciate, I'm sure, that there can be no question of the Queen interfering in the affairs of another sovereign state. So although rather comical, isn't there an undercurrent of offence? There was for me um, that um, anybody would think of inviting a foreign potentate even a constitutional monarch, as the Queen is, and only a constitutional monarch, to come and take sovereignty of a sovereign nation. But in actual fact, you see, we are a colony. As Christians, we are a colony of a different kingdom altogether. As Christians, we form a colony of the kingdom of God. You see, our allegiance primarily is to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and to his sovereign kingdom. Christians throughout the world are residents in different nations. I was called a resident alien here before I became a citizen. I always wondered whether or not I should get one of those headbands with the bouncy things at the end and wear it every time I came through immigration. But we are in actual... That was one of the reasons Pat was so worried when I went for my immigration interview, by the way. I was pregnant, but they asked whether or not... how, how, How I said my last name, and I said, heavens above, I haven't gotten that straight yet, and he kicked me underneath the table. It was not a marriage of convenience to get nationality. 
But we are actually resident aliens because our true citizenship is found as citizens of God's kingdom under the benevolent rule of the king of kings. You might have figured this is Christ the King Sunday. It's the last Sunday in ordinary time, this long season after Pentecost. Next Sunday, we will begin the church year with the first Sunday in Advent. But as we close out the year, we celebrate Christ as King. And so each of the readings reveal a little bit about that kingship, divine kingship. And our collect prays this, Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in your well-beloved Son, the King of kings and Lord of lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by sin, may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule. Interesting, isn't it, that we're freed from sin, but under the rule of a sovereign. That means sovereign is that he is Lord of all he surveys. He is Lord of all us as well. Jeremiah prophesies about God himself coming as a shepherd to shepherd his flocks because the other shepherds have left them to scatter. The shepherds who he has put in charge of his sheep, of his people, have gone away and left them scattered to the wolves. But he says he himself will come and shepherd his people. So already we see a correlation between divine kingship and a gentle shepherd who cares so much for the sheep. And the king's name will be the Lord is our righteousness. Not that we have any in and of ourselves, but the Lord is our righteousness. And then the psalm, I am God, says the Lord, and there is no other. Not just God of Israel, but but of all the nations, exalted above all the nations, over the nations, exalted in all the earth. And then Luke's gospel is the crucifixion scene. Is Jesus nailed to a cross between two thieves and over him has been written and nailed to the cross the sign that says the king of the Jews meant in deep irony and yet never more true. And the Jewish leaders want it changed to he said he was the king of the Jews. And Pilate says, what I have written, I have written. Here is someone who seemed to be the Messiah, who was a beloved rabbi, scourged, blooded, beaten, 
nailed to a cross and dying on a cross, what kind of a king dies on a cross? What kind of a kingdom is represented by a king who dies on a cross? Does he have a kingdom? And one thief mocks him, thinking, no, he's dying. He's not really a king. And yet the other, with some kind of spiritual perspicuity, looks at this dying would-be Messiah and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Not if you come into your kingdom, but when you come into your kingdom. He looks next to him and sees somebody in exactly the same state as himself and yet sees with spiritual eyes the kingship of the one dying and his kingdom a true reality and asks to be included into that kingdom and is told by the dying Christ on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. And then we come to this wonderful passage in Colossians, this glorious words about who Christ is. The poetry is just outstandingly splendid. And in there it says, In Christ we have been transferred into the kingdom of God's beloved Son, rescued from darkness, pulled from the moors of darkness into this amazing kingdom of light. And we're brought in through baptism, just as Maggie will be shortly. Each one of us who have been baptized died with Christ in those waters, raised to resurrected life with Christ coming out of those waters, transferred into the kingdom of light, transferred into God's beloved son's kingdom, citizens of that kingdom, baptized into Christ and therefore made children of God, inheritors of the kingdom, sons and daughters of the Most High King. If we're children of a king, what does that make us? It makes us princes and princesses in the kingdom of God. All of you, baptized into Christ, are sons and daughters of the Most High King, inheritors of a kingdom. And this is what Paul says about that king. The image of the invisible God, the firstborn 
of all creation. In him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and things invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Have you ever thought about that? We think it's the laws of physics and science that hold all things together, but it's Christ who holds all things together. For he first created all things. All things could cease to exist at a mere thought of our Most High King. But he holds us in the palm of his hand. He keeps us together. He keeps the universe going. And he keeps us each and every one of us in our small everyday lives. All things hold together in him. He is the head of the body, which is the church. We are Christ's body together. He is the head of the body. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. What he has done in passing through death into resurrected life will be true of us also. Not now when we die, we will be in his presence, but we will be resurrected when he returns and there is a new heaven and a new earth. He's the firstborn, the first fruits. We get to inherit that after him so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. If you want to know God, look at Jesus. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In meditating on this passage, the Reverend Henry Goriope wrote this, and I have uh, other times uh, spoken these words to you, but they bear repeating. He made the Sea of Galilee as well as hushed it. He could restore the blind man's sight, for he first made the optic nerve and retina. He could give hearing to the deaf man, for he first set the drum in the ear. He could cure the withered arm, for he made the bone and strung the muscle. The Christ who walked the dusty roads of Galilee was the God who roamed through the paths of galaxies. The Christ who lit the lakeside fire on which to cook breakfast for his tired, hungry disciples had lit a billion stars and hung them across the midnight sky. He who asked the outcast for a drink had filled with water every river, lake, and ocean. Christ became God's self-disclosure. In Jesus, God entered humanity. 
eternity invaded time. Christ became God's self-disclosure. But when he entered humanity, when eternity invaded time, our time, this king was not born in a palace, but in a stable and laid in a manger. His crown was not of gold, but of thorns, and his throne not in a magnificent palace, but outside on the brow of a hill, outside the city walls of Jerusalem. A cross was this king's throne. Such is the paradox of divine kingship. When we look back to the Middle Ages and see the kings who took power by coercion, by the sword, what a difference we find in this kingship in a shepherd king who loves his beloved creation, who is humble of heart, self-giving, self-sacrificing love. That is what divine kingship looks like. The God who lit a billion stars and hung them across the midnight sky has the power to extinguish them. He has the power to extinguish us. He has the power to coerce us to follow him. But he prefers an invitation. He prefers to gently invite us to make him king of kings and Lord of Lords. And when we accept his invitation, he brings us and makes us inheritors of his kingdom, sons and daughters, citizens of God's realm. Whatever our current residence might be, we are truly citizens of the kingdom of heaven and a colony of that kingdom even now on earth into the kingdom of darkness. That is your true identity. This week, um, I read the English newspapers. There was one of the saddest things that I read this week. There was a young 14-year-old girl who was dying from cancer. That was sad enough. But she had petitioned the courts to have herself cryogenically frozen in the possibility that a hundred years down the road she'd get a chance at life again. Had nobody told her? Had nobody given her the hope that we have, that we live again? But we don't live in sin-laden, suffering, dying bodies. The hope is that we live to eternity with Christ. See, even if science were to be able to do that, even if science a hundred years from now could bring her back to life, what kind of a life? There's still going to be sin. There's still going to be suffering. 
And there's still eventually going to be death. Hope for a new life in this fallen world is no hope. Because the reality is that we cannot do away with sin. We cannot eradicate that from our lives. We cannot eradicate it from the world. There is only one who can eradicate sin. And he died on a cross and is king of kings and lord of lords. So our hope is not just for a future kingdom, which it is, when he makes heaven and earth one, a new heaven and a new earth, and we live in bodies where there is no more sin and no more suffering in the age to come. Yes, when we die, we pass through the veil and we're in the presence of God. But there's a further promise. There's life after life after death. And that's the hope. But we just don't make do in this life. We live into that hope, but we make the changes here in this life because we're even now living as citizens of the kingdom of God because Christ, through baptism, is in us by his Holy Spirit. And so this colony is not to collapse in and on on itself, setting up boundaries so that only those with particularities can come into it. It's so that we spread that colony out into the darkness so that who is Christ in us, the hope of glory, gets spread out there so that the kingdom expands The kingdom of light of which we are citizens and a colony even now expands out into the darkness. And the hope that that poor child did not have is given to others who might be suffering in a sin-infested world, but that has already come under the kingship of Jesus because on his throne, the cross, the enemy was crushed under his heel the final battle is won it is just to to come to be so I challenge you this week when you wake up remind yourselves that you're resident aliens here but citizens of God's kingdom with allegiance to the one true king who is humble of heart and who loves his beloved subjects with an abundant, never-ending, profound, self-giving love. Amen.